DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time now to talk NFL playoffs with Scott Mitchell. Here in the afternoons on Unrivaled here on The Zone Sports Network. Scott, good morning. Thanks for getting up early. Welcome back in. Hey, no problem. Uh, I'm glad you had me at 9 because 8 o'clock I, I'd have been asleep. <laughs> we, can, we can work with you on that. <laughs> That's negotiable. <laughs> All right, so I want to uh, completely geek out. And before we get to who's going to win the games, I'm curious what you think about the future of the young quarterbacks in the AFC. It seems particularly loaded right now. A new generation has taken over. There's some teams that still have work to do. Obviously, Pittsburgh's going to have to replace Roethlisberger. Nobody's exactly sure what's going on in Houston. Maybe Mills is their guy. Denver's going to need a quarterback change. There's a few teams that have some stuff to do. But listen to this list of young quarterbacks. 26-year-old Patrick Mahomes, 26-year-old Baker Mayfield, 25-year-old Joe Burrow, 25-year-old Josh Allen, 25-year-old Lamar Jackson. All of those guys have already won playoff games, and Mahomes has won the Super Bowl. You've got 23-year-old Mac Jones, who has been in the playoffs now with the Patriots. The Chargers have Herbert, who threw for 5,000 yards. He's 23 years old. And then you've got Wilson and Lawrence, who've only had a year in the league, and they went to really bad teams, so we'll see where they go. But that is a lot of young quarterbacks. I'm curious. They can't all pan out. Mahomes has already won a Super Bowl, so he's panned out. Who do you really doubt in that group? You can say the arrow's up for everybody, but is there someone who the arrow is less up for or someone you think has a uh, a fatal flaw that will be uncovered? They can't all win because they're going to go head-to-head. No, it, it is it is an impressive list. and But I, I think I think the group as a whole, I mean, the ones you've listed, they'll, they'll have kind of ebbs and flows through their careers. These, these guys are probably, well, the two that are the question mark right now are probably uh, – Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. And a lot of it is kind of, are they going to get the talent around them? Uh, Trevor Lawrence, there's a, some question about whether he can actually get up to speed on reading NFL defenses and the complexity of kind of schemes. is It's more than than when you're in college. And, and, and he kind of had a, a bit of a, a challenge with that. Zach Wilson, there's still a lot of question mark with him just because just he's with the Jets is enough of a question mark, but uh, he was he was pretty erratic because some of these guys, you know, I mean, Mac Jones with the Patriots and what he did and the fact that they got rid of a veteran guy in Cam Newton, not Cam's probably on his way out anyways, but uh, for what he did as a rookie and leading them into the playoffs, uh, that's exceptional, and and that will just carry on to next year. As far as talent goes, he's probably the probably the least talented of all of the guys there. Uh, the the guy who's just really, I think, he just continues to get better and and improve is Josh Allen. The performance they had, I mean, they were perfect. Like they had this, you know, I mean, they didn't punt. They just scored every every time they had the ball. And he's a guy that just seems to shine in the big moments. They're not they're not beyond him. Uh, but I I'll tell you the guy I think I don't I don't, I don't want to say he's going to surpass Patrick Mahomes because I think that's hard. I think Patrick Mahomes is the generational guy. He's he's the he's the face of of the NFL. He's the face of all of these young quarterbacks. But Joe Burrow at Cincinnati to win a playoff game they haven't won one in 31 years. 
And he's a guy I've always really liked. And I've really liked that he uh, he shows up in big moments. When he was at LSU and just the gauntlet of games that he went through, and he didn't just play in those games, he was far superior to everyone in you know in playing the Alabamas and playing in a, an SEC championship game and then playing a national championship game and just the dominance that he showed then and then the way he just continues to get better in the NFL. He, you know, he's 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 a heck of a player. It's hard for me. DJ to really say, yeah, I like I like I like all of them. Mac Jones probably the least talented. Justin Herbert could be a guy. You know, it's still he's he kind of lost down the stretch and and really looked for them to kind of make the playoffs. And so, you know, he's a guy that maybe has a has a ceiling. But I, I would take I would take uh, Joe Burrow and I would take. Uh, uh, J- uh, Josh Allen as kind of some, and I'm, I'm just going to take Patrick Mahomes out. He's he's just he's already there. But th- those two guys, I think, kind of will probably lead the pack with this young group. So the games this weekend, well, the, two of these guys are ready to go head to head right now. You got the Bills or you got the Chiefs? Um, you know, <laughs> I'm going to take the Bills. I I, do, I know I know Kansas City is this team that uh, I, I just I think the Bills are just ready to take that next step. I don't think they're I don't think they're afraid of of Kansas City. I, I think they have the confidence they can beat them. They've been they've been in this situation before. It's unfortunate that this game's a divisional game because, quite frankly, this would be a heck of a Super Bowl. But it is what it is. But I, I just I just feel like the the Bills are a team ready to take that next step. They went to Kansas City in October and won 38-20. to And tell me which team passed the eyeball test right out of the gate in the playoffs last weekend. Well, the Chiefs were starting slow, punting three times, turning the ball over twice. The Bills were dialed in, scoring on every single possession. Now, speak ill of Kansas City at your own risk because they're trying to go to their third straight (laughs) Super Bowl and their fourth straight AFC title game. But I am with you. At the start of the year, I thought this would be the AFC title game. So congratulations to Tennessee for getting the one seed and turning this into a divisional game. But Tennessee doesn't have Derrick Henry. And he's going to have a steel plate. We ran the bite yesterday. He, this is right out of his own mouth at his press conference. He's going to give it a go. He feels pretty good, but he's got a steel plate in his foot. That's a huge but. I mean, of all the things you can say as an athlete, but I've got a steel plate in my foot. That's a pretty big. That's a pretty big thing to worry about. Well, it's one. It's one of those things where it can go. It can go either way, you know, because you've you've got you've got a guy who's now rested and he's talent. I mean, and, and that that team really kind of goes around him. It, it's it's the mantra of uh, Mike Vrabel, the coach. You know this. This kind of tough. We play great defense. We we ball control. Uh, start with the run game. I mean, it, it's counter to everything that happens in the NFL today, and it works. I mean, they have the personnel to make it work. And but if you have a guy who's been out for a long time, he can either be rusty or he can be rested. And and you just you just don't know what you're going to get. And to your point, you know, the uh, having a plate in his foot, it, you you don't know how much he stands up to the rigors. Of, of a game and 
and it, it's hard. It's hard to come back and say, you know, just be at full speed, full strength, and not have had really any game type of uh, you know pressure that uh, you know it, it, some guys just don't react well to it, and some guys say, you know what, for a game. Uh, I may be a superstar, and and we'll deal with the the aftermath of it. But um, if he plays and plays well, I still like the Cincinnati Bengals. I just I think this is a team. I I think there's I don't know that there might I don't know that there's a player who has more confidence in his ability than Joe Burrow. I played in Cincinnati, right? And 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 it's not it's not a great place. Uh, from an organizational standpoint to play and feel like you have a lot of confidence in things that are happening there. Great fan base. And great, I mean, a, an amazing fan base with the, with the Bengals. But when you have a young quarterback, he, that, like, I don't care about history. I don't care about the Bengals. And I, and I just think Joe Burrow is kind of that guy. And he's got that talent. And he's got a, he's got a game that holds up under pressure. He's very, very mechanically sound. He's got a lot of talent around him, and and it's a team that believes in themselves. And it would not shock me at all if if actually the the Bengals won this game. And and that I, I would pick the Bengals. That's who I am picking. But I, I I like him, and I like them. Well, when you say not great from an organizational standpoint, I trust you because you played for the Lions, so you've got some you got some experience with not great from an organizational standpoint. You know the Lions were good though, DJ. The, the organization you were at the best the years, players. yeah. Yeah, they really were. But uh, Cincinnati, you got one pair of socks, and you had to make those socks last the entire year. And I'm not joking. I'm not joking. <laughs> way, to, way to draw a dawn in the sand that I can't argue with. <laughs> hey, Cincinnati, we had one pair of socks, DJ. What do you got to answer that? I got nothing for that. You got me. <laughs> All right, so the NFC games, you take two AFC road teams. I assume you're taking Green Bay at home over the Niners. And when I say something like that on the radio, definitive, I think, all right, how am I going to be wrong about this? How are people, what am I missing? And it seems to me the one thing I'm missing here is the Niners' defensive line can be incredibly disruptive. How did a 9-7 and Giant team beat Tom Brady and the Patriots? Well, they had a front four that was incredibly disruptive. And if you can get to the quarterback with four and then the other seven guys, now it's five on seven out there, so good luck with that. So can the Niners' D-line do it, or they got no chance and the Packers are going to win? Look, any, any D-line that can get to a quarterback with four people is going to win probably 100% of the time. <laughs> I mean, that. Pressure is the name of the game in the NFL uh, when you are dealing with quarterbacks. Uh, divisional games, Aaron Rodgers is really good. He's had an amazing season this year. Uh, it, it, it's hard when you're a team uh, like San Francisco where it's like traveling two weeks in a row and it's and you're a West Coast team and it's, it's not necessarily all the way across the country. You know, they had to go to Dallas. It's a decent trip. Uh, they have to go back home, and then they have to go to uh, Green Bay again. I mean, that that's really that is a factor that's real mm-hmm. and not talked about a lot. But it it, it plays into it's really hard for a team to go on the road like that um, and and travel a, a longer distance. And 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 then you have Jimmy Garoppolo, who is good, been to a Super Bowl, you know. One big playoff games, one big in in Dallas, and I mean that's huge. Anytime you can win a playoff game, but but win on the road, big deal. 
really cold weather game, never played in cold weather, the travel lag, uh, you know, you've got, you've got Aaron Rodgers, who just continues to amaze me at what he's done. And, and, and I, I, just, I just don't see the Packers losing this game. Tampa Bay hosting the Rams. The Bucks shorthanded. They were missing their top two rushers last week, although Giovanni Bernard did some good stuff for them, but they didn't have Fournette. They didn't have Ronald Jones the second. Their leading receiver, everybody thinks Mike Evans, but actually Chris Godwin had more catches and more yards, but Evans had more TDs. So Godwin's out with an ACL. Um, Antonio Brown, obviously. Okay, so he's, he's, he's gone there too. Do they have enough with Evans and with Gronk? Is Brady going to get this done? Or the Rams, who've really loaded up with veterans, man, the future is now, win now. Can they go in there and do it? When you when you talk about don't bet against the Kansas City Chiefs, uh-huh. and, and <laughs> I think Tom Brady's kind of in that same, yeah. it's so hard to bet against Tom Brady. But, but this attrition with this team uh, and the injuries, and, and there has to come a point. I mean, there just has to come a point where – where Tom Brady and his age and and that really plays into it, and he he's a guy that's kind of doesn't really get bothered by okay this guy's out you know we'll find another way we'll find another uh, player to to get things done so he I don't think Tom Brady's really phased by maybe the lack of some some of these guys like you know I I'm. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I'm wily enough to figure a new way, a different way to beat you and and uh, and he's really good at that. Um so I, I you know, I don't know if that's as much a factor. Tom Brady's been amazing in divisional football games. I mean, he's thrown more touchdowns in divisional football games than I think I threw in my entire career. Uh so he's he's really really good in those games. But a lot of it is because divisional games for him in a lot of his career have been his first playoff game. He's got that first week by. And I just think having an extra game late in a 17-game in a season, uh, I just wonder if there isn't some fatigue with the Bucks, and, and they're a team that, you know, they're the Super Bowl champions. And so they get everybody's best shot. And... And that's a hard thing to deal with. It's a hard thing to repeat. And so it's not just it's not just this game. It's all season long. That's all they've seen. It's like every team goes. We're playing the the, the Super Bowl champs, and so they're it, it it can wear and grind on you. And you kind of see some of these injuries happening late in the year, and you just have to wonder if it's because of uh, you know every game you've played this year has been a Super Bowl for the teams you're playing against. And, so the emotion, the the physical um, abuse that you've taken, that may be a little bit extra than other teams, is is a challenge. But then you have Matthew Stafford, a guy who's played and won only one playoff game. It's a big divisional game. He's extremely talented. Uh, the Rams' defense is is a good defense that travels well. I, I really I picked the Rams from the beginning of the season to be the Super Bowl champion, and, and I, I know it's crazy, but I'm going to pick the Rams. So these games are largely rematches. I don't know about Titans Bengals, but I know the other three are rematches. Is there a coach that you trust more when you're getting a second look? Because the the Rams beat the Bucks earlier this year, and they beat them pretty good. And, and Brady threw for 432 yards, but. The Rams won 34-24, and it wasn't that close. They were up 17 multiple times in that game. 
So is there a coach you trust more when you get a second bite at the apple to turn things around? You mean that's in the playoffs? I mean, right, yeah. I, that would yeah. be in these games right now. I mean, if you're talking about the guy, I mean, Bruce Arians is amazing to begin with, and uh, but you've got Andy Reid too. I mean, I mean, I, I wouldn't bet against Andy Reid, and I did, but <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't don't necessarily uh, agree with that. And then, and then, really, everyone else is. Uh, I mean, those are those are really the two guys I think in rematch games that you would. You know, I would I would certainly lean on uh, I, the way they the way that teams handle it if they're smart is they they you know they look at how a team is right now. A lot of these matches are earlier on mm-hmm. in the season, yeah. very different circumstances, and and so you know it's not as big a factor maybe as it as it normally would be. Uh, it, 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 you know, it always boils down to finding the right matchup. That uh, you have you have an advantage of, and and really exploiting that, and that that can change because guys can get injured or or whatever, and and it's just it's always you know Don Chu always used to say this game is really simple. It's about blocking and tackling. Whoever does that better wins, and and that and so a lot of that you know changes from day to day, week to week, and in you know season to season. He's Scott Mitchell. He's not up at 8 a.m., but he's ready to talk football at 9 a.m., and he'll be talking football this afternoon, unrivaled. You'll hear him right here on the Zone Sports Network leading into the Jazz pregame show at 6 and then the Jazz game tonight at 7. Scott, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it, and we'll hear you this afternoon. Always a pleasure. All right. Scott Mitchell checking in right there. Yeah, he was in a locker room with Don Shula. That's pretty cool. If you're young, maybe not, but, man, Don Shula for a big chunk of my life. He was a man. I forgot that he coached a playoff game once on like a motorized scooter. It was like smaller than a motorcycle, bigger than a wheelchair. I don't know what to. It's this motorized cart. And he'd had leg surgery or ACL or heel. I can't remember what it was. He had something going on medically. He was on the sideline of that thing. I remember looking at that thing and how's he going to get out of the way if everybody comes flying over to that side of the field? It happens real quick. How's that going to happen? But the that's uh, a pretty good collection of memories for uh, Scott there to to start out with the Dolphins and later on play for the Lions. He was in Baltimore for a little while too. So you hear Scott this afternoon, DJ and PK coming up next. Everything you missed in this show, we'll recap it next. And Yach, what do you want to do? We're gonna have another pair of jazz tickets giveaway as well. So is it for tuned. the Suns game again? It's for the Suns game, correct? Ooh. Wednesday night, Phoenix Suns, Utah Jazz are playing twice in three days. Jazz play the Warriors Sunday night in Golden State. Back-to-back, they fly to Phoenix and play Monday night, and then the Suns and Jazz come up here and play again Wednesday. So that whole theory I just ran by Locke, and we'll talk about this coming up, get you up to speed on everything you missed in the show, about playing to the level of the competition, which David did not want to sign off on. He did not agree with that. But we'll see if the Jazz do it, and we'll see what they do with the Pistons tonight. We'll give away those Jazz tickets next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Trevor Allen, of course, covers the youths for KSLSports.com. Talk about your reaction. Quinton Ganther getting the gig. I think it's a good thing for Utah. That was the only name that, that really came to mind as someone who could come in and, and really pick up with, with what Coach Mack did in his, in his time here at, at, at Utah, and that's to be able to, to continue to bring in top running back talent, develop the guys that are in here, and send them off to the NFL. And Quinton can do that. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 
1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Yaks playing the meatloaf this morning because meatloaf died yesterday at the age of 74. He passed away. And Louis Anderson, comedian, dying at the age of 68 today. He had cancer. And there are a lot of people who believe these things happen in three, so I don't know if we're going to hear an announcement about a third celebrity here shortly, or did I miss one before Meatloaf? I guess that's a possibility. I don't recall one. I always thought this was a gray area. I mean, is it like three in like three days, three in a week, uh, ten days, how close together? I don't know. It's just kind of thing people say. Okay, before we get to the sports, it's kind of morbid and weird. I got talked into doing it one time. It took about five years to get me talked into it. And then I did it. And it was really weird. So I never did it again. I had an agent uh, when I first got started in TV. I was in, well, actually, when I got started in TV, I didn't have an agent. But I had an agent who helped me move to Sacramento and then Salt Lake. And then she changed firms and left. Her husband and a couple of his friends did a death pool thing where at the start of the year, they predict which celebrities are going to die in the next calendar year. And when I heard that, I had never heard of that before. And I found it kind of weird. But eventually, they talked to me, and I did it one year, and then it was weird, and I didn't do it. I have subsequently found out that this is something that is actually done fairly regularly. It's not that uncommon. A lot of you are shaking your heads like, I've never heard of that. But plenty of you are shaking your heads right now going, oh, yeah, I've done that. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, me and my buddies do that. Yeah. You ever done it, Yak? I've heard of it. But you haven't, you haven't no, done it? I, it's weird when you're sitting there with a list. Like, like, I mean, I'm not wishing this on these yeah, people. I wanna, but I, I wanna, you're dead, dead. Like, just, that doesn't, so did people put Betty White in the pool for 15 years, and then one year they don't? Like, I'm tired. I've been wrong every year. Well, and then now and she, you she saw passed the, away. You saw the magazine cover, right? She was three weeks from 100, and they'd already pr- printed the, the cover and had it ready cover. to go. Yeah, and it's it, yeah. you can buy it in stores still, I think. Well, those two, uh, Meatloaf and Louie Anderson, passed away so close together, reminded me of that. All right, uh, we had a lot. We hit this morning. We had David Locke on, and I ran by. Hey, they ran this theory by him. The Jazz are 3-7 and seven in the last 10, but they've beaten Denver twice. They're getting up for the good teams. They play a seven-game series with Denver. It's a great series. They end up losing it on the last shot in the last second of the last seventh game, right? Jokic is an MVP. Jokic's putting awesome numbers up. He's now had three straight triple-doubles, and he shot 55% from the floor in all those games. Highly efficient. He puts up a shot. You can't say anything, but all right, sweet. Jokic put up a shot. Because he's shooting 55%. And nobody's done that in the NBA since Wilt Chamberlain in 1968. And Chamberlain was dunking, and he did it in six straight games because Wilt did some awesome stuff. So the Jazz get up for these Nugget games, and they win them. And they're not getting up for these other games, and they're blowing them. And when I brought that up with Joe, you could kind of hear a groan. Oh, I don't know how to describe the nose. <laughs> no, no, uh, noise. But it was one of those things where maybe it hadn't occurred to him, but boy, it sure did when I said it. And there might be some of that. Locke wasn't buying it. Locke's thing, though, was that this team has blown double-digit leads in the second half seven times. And they had a 13-point lead in the third quarter Wednesday night. And lost to the Rockets. Gave up a 15-0 run. Went down two immediately and ended up losing the game. Locke said they're 22-7 and this year when they have double-digit leads in the second half. 
And then over the previous couple of years, they had been 80-7. and seven. They got the double-digit lead. It was pretty much over. Ten times out of 11, it was over. And that is not the case this year. So that was the thing he was pointing at. And then the other thing he hit on is that everything that happened last year, last year was a screwy year. And a lot of the things that were screwy played in the Jazz, uh, to the Jazz benefit. And he thought maybe we were leaning on those data points too much. There were guys lost to COVID, but not with the Jazz. There was a short turnaround after the playoffs for some of the best teams that went to the Western Conference Finals and the NBA Finals, but not for the Jazz because they went out in the first round. They had more rest time. There weren't shoot-arounds and practices. The Jazz had a team that was largely together and familiar with each other. Other teams that made personnel moves, it really hurt them to lose those practices and shoot-arounds. So last year, tainted might not be the right word, but it was different. And the differences broke the Jazz way. Having said all that, I see the Jazz still losing to the bottom quarter of the league. And if they were just winning those games, if they didn't have the league's best record, they would be real close to the Suns. And to Locke's point, lots of teams are winning and losing games because players are out. So you've got to take this whole regular season with a grain of salt. Presumably, we'll be past this surge. <coughs> That's me knocking on fake wood. When we get to the playoffs, and everybody will be at full strength. The Jazz have won games because other teams have been shorthanded. The Jazz have lost games because they've been shorthanded. Now, along the way, have they played some bad basketball? Obviously, they have. At some of these games they've lost when they're shorthanded, they should have won anyway. But the fact is, the Jazz are not winning the NBA championship shorthanded. They may not win the NBA championship at full strength, but they are not winning a shorthanded. So to a certain degree, anything happens when Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are out, whatever. Because without Donovan and Rudy, they are not coming anywhere near an NBA title. They're just not. They've got to have, not only do they have to have those two guys, they really have to have their full complement. Now, you can say other teams have won without their full complement and a guy could step up. I'm not convinced the Jazz are that good. I, they're good enough to win it, but I think they have to have all their guys. Hassan Whiteside has had some bad moments. Would you rather have him or Doak under pressure in the NBA playoffs? For the in the play, I mean, he's playing 12 minutes now, and Rudy's playing 36, basically, depending on how close the game is. But in the playoffs, you know, Rudy could end up playing 38 or 40 minutes. For those eight or 10 minutes, who would you rather have? And you could all say, "Hey, I remember the night Hassan Whiteside threw the ball straight to the other team and then watched while a guy drove at him and dunked." I know, I saw it too. There's a big gap between what the Jazz get from Rudy to what they get from Hassan. But there's a big gap from what they get from Hassan to what they get with everybody else. They're going to need everybody. You know, Rudy Gay's been out. Well, they need Rudy Gay. And he missed some games. But they need Rudy Gay. They need another veteran shooter. At times, the small ball has looked okay. At times, it's looked like a disaster. And that may well just come down to matchups. That may not even be something they can improve over the next 30 games. It may depend on who they're out there against and how they're playing. So, Jazz and Pistons tonight, and then, then it's on. Warriors on the road Sunday, Suns on the road Monday, back home for the Suns on Wednesday. Of course, the Warriors are shorthanded. And I know we're all frustrated because the Jazz lost to the Pacers. There were only three games last night. If you missed it, the Warriors lost to the Pacers in overtime. And Steph Curry went off. I think he went for 38 or 39. 39, I think. He had a huge game, and they still lost. They don't have Draymond Green. 
He's got a calf injury that somehow is tied to his back injury. I don't know. And I know you all start singing the back of bones connected to the hip bone, to the leg bone, to the knee bone, to the calf bone. Right, right. And I'm sure somehow it's all linked. But, man, you got a bad back, and that's causing the rest of your body to break down. That's not good. And without Draymond Green, they're not going to be as good defensively. He gives them the opportunity to match up with a lot of different lineups that can get thrown at him by a lot of different teams. You take him out, that's a hit. It just is. It's like if you take Rudy Gobert out, it's a hit. Are the Warriors winning the title without Draymond Green? I wouldn't think so. Maybe Draymond will be healthy by the playoffs. But right now, there's a bad loss. And the Suns, who win again and beat the Mavericks, are now three and a half games up in the race for the best record in the NBA. Three and a half up on the Warriors. Five and a half in front of the Grizzlies. Six and a half in front of the Jazz. We had Scott Mitchell in talking NFL playoffs. You may have just heard him. That was earlier in the hour. He took the road teams in the AFC. Titans. Getting beat at home by the Bengals. And the Chiefs getting beat at home by the Bills. It's not sexy brand names. But man, Josh Allen. Allen versus Burroughs. That would be that would be sweet. They're both 25 years old. We got a decade of these guys. A decade of Mahomes and Mayfield and Burrow and Allen and Jackson. And I don't know if Mayfield and Jackson can keep up with the other guys. And you got Herbert and Jones. Chargers and Patriots look like they have good young quarterbacks. And then we'll see if uh, Lawrence and Wilson, if those organizations can get it together and those guys can develop a lot of good young quarterbacks in the AFC right now. College basketball last night. Uh, highlight of the night, Barcelo telling the kid from USD, hey, look at that, pointed at the scoreboard. Kid was chirping at him, saying something. He's going to line to shoot free throws. Man, the look on his face, too. You know, shooters are soft. And guys who block shots, rebound, and drive to the hoop, they're tough. I mean, that, that's a stereotype. And Barcelo's a shooter. But look at his face in that instance and tell me he doesn't have some major toughness. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> and he just points to the scoreboard. And the ref's right there watching the whole thing. But he didn't swear. He didn't yell. He wasn't flamboyant oh, about it. Other moment in this game last night? I didn't. I was in an edit bay for so a lot of he, this game. Um, so middle of the game, he gets bumped. Like He took a nice body check, oh. essentially. He turns around. This is live ball action. Turns around. Holds the ball in front of him. Defender on his backside. Looks at the referee and essentially says, you gonna call that? <laughs> this is and this is in the middle of the action. And it was it was pretty funny. Good to be the senior and the vet. You can get that away. You with can some get stuff. away with that. Yeah, that would have probably stuff. gotten somebody else. The freshman probably. Is well, because like, Atiki Eliatiki got thrown out of the game last mm-hmm. night for contact above the shoulder. So yeah. And Troy delivered again another double double. Two bigs down, and the freshman steps up. 14 and 11. And the shooting off the bench was, you know, this is a team that has played some low scoring games, is really struggling to, to score. But Knight and George came off the bench and hit some shots. And, uh, and BYU, close game, but in those final 15 minutes, really even in the final five, they will make the plays and beat USD. The Utes were not good game against UCLA. They never flinched, they, they were there the whole way. If you're waiting for UCLA to blow the game open, that didn't happen. And for the Utes, those offensive possessions at the end, you can't complain about what happened defensively. Before the game, you said UCLA is going to score 63 points tonight. You take it. Now, you can break down any possession and say this was messed up, that was messed up. And it's true because UCLA got 63 points. 
But man, if you're defending and you're holding teams to 63 points, especially ranked teams, but really any team, you've given yourself a great chance to win. But they just cannot put the biscuit in the basket. An offensive charge, one for two at the free throw line, and then another possession at the end of the game where they had two three-pointers to tie and missed them both. And maybe they would have lost in overtime. There would have been a little time, especially if the first one went in, there would have been time for UCLA to go down and try and win the game. But UCLA was struggling to score at the end of the game, too. And the Aggies, yeah, uh, Boise State, late threes, including the game winner with two seconds left. There were like three big threes the in the final three minutes. The that guy made all night. Uh, I know, right? Right? And it looked like they were going to do it. They cannot figure out how to win close games. They have just lost. They've gotten into league play. They did win the close game at New Mexico in the pit. They won in overtime. But other than that, it's just one or two possessions at the end of games. The blowout was a seven-point loss. That was a three-point game in the final minute. The Aggies are playing everybody close, but they can't get over the hump. All right, DJ and PK, that's some of what we have been talking about this morning. Your feedback coming up. we got a poll question up at David DJ James. Go to Twitter, David DJ James. Who's going to the AFC and NFC title games? Poll questions are up. You can vote. We'll update you on the results, some of the comments we're getting from them, and an Oregon Duck fan. <laughs> He's got his back up. But you know what? The Ducks are getting picked on anyway, so at this point, just bond with you guys. And even if what you say sounds hilarious to the rest of us, why not? Circle the wagons. You're the Ducks. We'll get to that coming up and your NFL picks. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yach wants to make somebody very happy right now. You got two tickets, Yach? I do. Jazz and the Suns, Wednesday night? Correct. Who wants to go to the game? Wednesday night, Utah Jazz, Phoenix Suns are in town. Two tickets right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call now. Winner next. Right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for your feedback right now, everything you think about this show. And the feedback of the day is brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day is like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. Save 40 to 70% off name brand appliances. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every day. Visit thriveappliance.com to shop their updated inventory. So you got a poll question up on Twitter. Who's going to play in the AFC title game? Who's going to play in the NFC title game? It's close. 31% of the vote. Bills at Titans. So Tennessee knocks Joe Burrow out. They get something out of Derrick Henry, and they get that win. And the Bills go into KC and win, which they did do earlier this year. And Utah OSB tweets at me, admit it, a Burrows versus Mahomes showdown would be awesome. I agree, it would be. I would be all in. I think those two quarterbacks are wildly entertaining. I told you, I've been on the Patrick Mahomes train for years now. He is wildly entertaining. And even though it was funny... I fell for him at a loss. They lost the AFC Championship game to, to New England. And they look so good doing it. <laughs> it was like one of those times where you look at the losing team like, I know you lost, but I am ready to watch more of you. And since then, they've won the Super Bowl, they've lost the Super Bowl, and now they're back in the divisional title game trying to get to the AFC title game for the fourth straight year. I did tweet back at him, agreed, Burroughs versus Mahomes would be awesome. I, I love it when he's admit it! Like I <laughs> feel like I'm staring into a bright light handcuffed to a desk. Admit it! You did it! You're guilty! I admit it! Burroughs Mahomes would be awesome. Now, can I leave? But wouldn't Burroughs versus Josh Allen be awesome? I would absolutely be up for that. If Cincinnati is at Buffalo in the AFC title game, I get they're not 
these legacy franchises draw huge ratings and generate emotion like the Cowboys and the Patriots. I don't care. I think it'd be wildly entertaining. Those are two young quarterbacks who are really good. Really good. Uh, We talked uh, college football earlier. We were talking about Wilcox getting a new contract to Cal, and Devin, the Oregon fan, says, Wilcox has never offered the Oregon job. Oregon interviewed him as a courtesy. That was about the extent of it. Same as Chip and Sataki. All three used it to get an extension and a raise. Good for them. (laughs) Oregon fan sitting on the mountaintop. We are not interested in your peons. We spoke to them merely as a courtesy. That's a take that makes Oregon fans feel good about themselves. We seriously weren't interested in anyone other than the guy we got. We got our first choice for Oregon. We're very special. The rest of you, very happy you had a chance to even speak with us. It was merely a courtesy. (laughs) Devin, that is so dismissive. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) I know Devin. A long time ago, he used to work at Channel 2. (laughs) <laughs> just stick him, man. When you're a fan, and yeah, you just put the arm around your guys and you hold on to them. I'm with them. I ride with these guys. <laughs> Oregon interviewed him as a courtesy. Oh, that is so dismissive. <laughs> I would tell you that's why everyone hates Oregon, Devin, but you're so used to everyone hating Oregon, you don't really care at this point anyway. So, Dr. Sarcastic Coog is going full NBA conspiracy theory on the NFL. The league and TV execs want Brady versus Rodgers. Should be fun watching the officiating this weekend. Right now, 39% of you think the uh, NFC title game is going to be Rams at Packers, and 39% of you think it's going to be Bucks at Packers. It's very close. All right, you can vote. Uh, those polls are up on Twitter at David DJ James. Thanks for weighing in on all of that. Thanks for listening this week. Have a good weekend. Jake and Ben are coming up next.